Welcome back to Spectrum Sundays, where we introduce professionals and self-advocates who play an important role in the speech and hearing field, as well as in the autism community. This is the last week of Better Hearing and Speech Month to bring more awareness of our field. So to honor the last week of Better Hearing and Speech Month, we are so excited to introduce Shannon Briggs, who is the face behind at SLP Corner on Instagram, and also a graduate student studying SLP at the University of British Columbia. So we're also thrilled that this is our first international guest. And welcome, Shannon. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, thank you so much. And to start, could you just give us a brief resume of your education and your experience as an SLP student? Yeah, definitely. So I did my undergrad at University of British Columbia in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and I majored in speech sciences. And then I continued on into my master's program in speech language pathology at UBC as well. So during my undergrad, I worked as a behavioral interventionist with preschoolers with autism. Mm. And then I also worked at a Down Syndrome Research Foundation, a summer camp for children with special needs. And I've also done a lot of work with a network called the Connects Autism Network in Vancouver. So it's basically an organization for children and families, for children with autism and their families. And then in my SLP program, I've done placements in all the areas of SLP. I'm almost finished my program now. So I've had placements in acute care with patients with dysphagia and people who are recovering from stroke. I've also had placements in health centers with preschool children and school districts in both high schools and elementary schools. And my most recent placement was at a private practice. And this was my favorite placement. I the owner of the clinic is an SLP and she's also a BCBA, so a board certified behavior analyst, which is essentially someone who works closely with people with autism and their families. And so she basically, the whole clinic was just children with autism, kind of like an early intervention clinic. And yeah, I absolutely loved that placement. That was really fun and interesting. And then more personally, I launched a blog called SLP Corner this past year. I launched it after I found out that my niece has special needs. She has a rare genetic disorder. So that's kind of my personal side of SLP coming into play. I basically saw just how beneficial the resources online were for our whole family and her parents as well. So I kind of wanted to just be able to add to that, add to those types of resources online. So just to reiterate, I want to point out that you have done your undergraduate program, you have worked in your personal life with summer camps, and you've kind of taken this initiative to put speech language pathology in everything that you do as a professional and in your personal life, which is so commendable. And just for our viewers, do you mind if I ask your age and how old you are? Yeah, so I just turned 24. A few weeks so ago. I just want everyone to realize that you're 24, you have accomplished so much and you have such an impressive resume. So I hope anyone watching that feels really passionate about their field, whether it's speech pathology or any other career, I hope that you take Shannon's story and apply it to your own life because I mean, you're the epitome of living what you love. That's amazing. Thank you so much. 
And I'm really glad that you brought up your inspiration behind your blog and your podcast and your Instagram, because that's how we found you. And we were really impressed. And I was shocked to find out that you were still a graduate student because it's such a professional um, layout. Everything is really well done and thorough. So how do you see that growing for you in the future? So it's interesting because I started it with just the blog, just the website. And I kind of, I, I thought that that would be it for a while, just kind of posting articles. And, but then I realized that a lot of parents are on Facebook. So then I was like, okay, I should get a Facebook page. So it's kind of grown naturally because then I, I was like, oh, there's parents on Instagram too. And there's so many SLPs on Instagram. So my most recent, um, my most recent kind of addition to the SLP corner is my podcast. So I think I kind of just want to continue with the podcast. I really like podcasting. I, it's nice to have that back and forth conversation with people kind of like we're having now. I really like that a lot. And I feel like people can relate to it more easily than reading a long blog post sometimes. And yeah, so I think I'm just going to continue with focusing on all of the areas, but really focusing on the podcast. And I, I want it to, I want to keep attracting parents to it as well. So, yeah. So continuing on about your podcast, can you share a little bit more about what kinds of guests that you welcome to your podcast and the information you like to provide? Yeah. So I've had SLPs. I've had a public health nurse, some elementary school teachers. I, I really want some parents of children with special needs to come on. I definitely want to do that. I'm really open to anyone who has, because I think that the more broad it is, the better, because everyone has a different background and experience. So I'm really open to any guests who have experience in the special needs community or the early intervention community or just have anything to bring with regards to those areas. And then all of my podcasts are evidence-based. So I think that's huge. I, I make sure that everything is from the latest research and I try to implement that into all of my podcasts. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty much, I, I really like having SLPs on as well because it's nice to connect with other SLPs and SLP students. So yeah. And it's a great way to learn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to get to of that a little bit later, but first I want to switch gears a little bit because Megan and I are part of the Miss America organization. We're both local title holders. I'm Miss Thousand Islands of New York, and Megan is Miss Central Pennsylvania of Pennsylvania. Um, and we have a main goal of empowering our youth and younger generations to build a stronger and more accepting community. Um, so do you have any impressions of the Miss America organization, if you know anything about it? I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not familiar with it. It's not big in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I actually like, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about it. That's okay. Well, that's why we wanted to ask you because we kind of wanted to know in a different place if there were any impressions or if you had any ideas about it that we could help kind of clarify so just to give you a little bit of a background for me personally miss america was kind of what led me into this career in this profession so miss america allows young women to choose a cause that they're passionate about 
And before I ever got involved, I knew that I had some type of interest in autism spectrum disorders. But then once Miss America kind of gave me this platform and said, okay, you have an opportunity to go advocate for this group of individuals. Now, what do you want to do with it? And that kind of helped me pick my career. And now Francesca and I kind of fall into the same category that we're both SLP students and we're both advocates for autism. But the reason that we were interested in asking this question is because it is previously known as a pageant and now it's more of a scholarship competition and kind of moving into more of a professional direction. Um, so we were just curious what your impressions were or if you had ever encountered any pageant girls in your past, but that's totally okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we had, I was in a sorority in undergrad and we had some girls who were into pageants in BC, but yeah, I never, I don't, I never really like got into, I'm from a small town in Canada. So <laughs> when I was growing up, it wasn't, okay. <laughs> with, yeah. I think well, actually, very cool. well, we're glad that we could be kind of your first impression of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think um, there's different types of systems too. So ours is just one mm -hmm. system, but I think there's a couple of systems that are really popular in British Columbia and they have like some of the best, like quote unquote pageant girls in the world because they're really well trained and very polished. So it's really cool that there's different types of systems that focus on different things. Um, so you might know some girls who are in like a specific system, but they could be competing on something totally different um, criteria wise than we would be. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because ours is very service based um, and we also have talents, which is pretty awesome. Um, but we just love to spread awareness about that as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, going off of that, we kind of shared a little bit, but a big goal of ours within the Miss America organization and also in our careers as SLPs is to empower different individuals and specifically for us, those with autism. So we're always interested in hearing different confidence building techniques and wanted to know if you could share any ways that you help your advocate or your clients advocate for themselves. So I, most of my experience with autism is with very young children. So they're often not preschoolers. So in the zero to five age range. So I find that I'm not necessarily helping them advocate for themselves, but I'm helping the parents advocate for their family. So I think the biggest thing with like any type of advocacy work is educating yourself and knowing what supports are available and knowing what exactly your child, their strengths are or their area of needs are and knowing, and knowing the resources available in the school system and knowing all those things. So I find that uh, the role that I've seen, and this is from my placements in my master's program, as the SLP, we're oftentimes in the IEP meetings vouching for the parents and helping them get the resources mm -hmm. that they need or that they deserve and maybe they're not even aware of. So I just feel that education for the parents can be a huge way to help them advocate for their child. Absolutely. And going back to something that you talked about earlier, how you always post evidence-based on your Instagram page, which is a great way to educate your audience. Um, can you explain how you pick your resources and why it's important to stay educated? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
how I pick my resources is since I am a grad student, I've actually found it very, it, it kind of goes together very well, my blog and what I'm learning in school. So whenever there's articles that I find interesting that are already on my syllabus, then I'll, if I find that that's really interesting, I think that a parent would find that very interesting, then I'll take it to my blog and I'll kind of make it shorter because oftentimes these papers are so long and why it's important to stay educated, things are always changing. There's better research coming out all the time. So especially in a field like speech language pathology, it's growing so much and there's always going to be more research and people diving into certain topics. So I think that staying educated is key in providing evidence-based practice in your in your SLP as an SLP. So I just think that keeping up to date is going to translate to more productive and effective therapy outcomes. So I think it's really important to stay educated. And going off of this education and how things change over time, practices that were widely accepted in our field even five or 10 years ago have evolved so much. And if we even think about 20 to 30 years ago, things, even language changes and how we address people by their labels or their diagnoses. So just to give a little example about that is when we use person first language or um, decades ago, we used to use the term mentally retarded and now it has been kind of flipped into an insult. So we use person first language to show respect. So even going out outside of the field for anyone who's just a general observer for Spectrum Sundays today, even if it's not SLP, just educating yourself on the most current language to use the most proper or politically correct or respectful language is even important as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we all know that you have this great following on Instagram and your podcast and your blog. So another thing that we really wanted to ask you is what role do you think social media can play in advocating for people with unique abilities? I think that social media is incredibly valuable in advocating and educating and just spreading awareness. I think that there's a stereotype that social media is a very negative, curated, inauthentic place, and it's really just people's highlight reel, and we've all heard that about social media, but I can say from experience, being from my SLP corner side of things, the special needs community and the autism community on social media is so positive. It's so supportive. I, I think it's one of the most beautiful places online, truly. <laughs> Everyone is just so supportive and helpful and there's so many connections being formed there. I think a lot of the time parents especially can feel very, and I'm saying this from my personal experience with my niece, I think parents can feel isolated if they don't know another parent who has a child with special needs or with autism or with a rare genetic disorder and they can feel very isolated and it can be lonely and and it's you just don't feel supported so I think that parents connecting online whether it be with other parents or whether it be with professionals like occupational therapists or speech language pathologists I think that can really be a beautiful thing I also want to say that with a lot of families I know my family one of the, is one of them 
they are hesitant to go on such a public forum and be so vulnerable with what they're going through and what type of supports and resources they need. So I would still encourage you to seek out supports online. There's so many private Facebook groups. I'm part of one for my niece and it's helpful for the parents, the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, everyone can join them and it's a private area. So it's not a public forum. And I think that that can, I've just seen so much positive positivity and just so many amazing outcomes from that. So I would really, really recommend uh, the social media side of things. I love that you focused on the positives because that's something that we don't really get a chance to talk about very much. And you're right. It seems to be that there's a stereotype that social media only has a negative influence, but knowing that it's a community for families with special needs who have children, maybe for the first time they're navigating this new type of challenge and it's not necessarily a bad challenge. It's just something that they haven't experienced before. So knowing that there's something more personal other than public Facebook or Instagram pages that whoever's watching, if they're a parent or a loved one with a relative with special needs, they can seek out that kind of resource and community. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, something, too, that is really great about social media is that those who have autism and are older now, um, a lot of them are successful in their lives. And I think it's really helpful for parents who have younger kids on the spectrum um, mm-hmm. to see that type of success happening. I know one time I was in a parking lot and I have like a little autism sticker on my car. And this woman was just walking by and stopped me to talk about her son who has autism, who is nonverbal and has a lot of really severe emotional regulation problems and she was just so distraught and I told her a story of someone I knew who had started out that way and as he got older he his symptoms decreased and he became more regulated and he's very verbal he's hilarious Um, and it's just like those little stories can really help motivate the parents and see the potential in their children. And social media has a huge part and role to play in that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that we, as SLPs, we can tell parents, we can only tell them so much, but connecting with other parents online or hearing about like your story, that's a personal story that you saw that happen. I think that can be so comforting for parents to hear. So of course, this is Better Hearing and Speech Month, um, and this is the last week of of May. So what does Better Hearing and Speech mean to you, and how does that impact your life? So Better Hearing and Speech Month means a lot to me. I think that speech, language, and hearing is an integral aspect of communication. And if we all take a step back and think about it, communication is what makes us human, that ability to connect with others and learn from each other and form friendships and relationships. So speech and hearing is just, it's something that we can all empathize with if we lost that ability or that modality for communication. I just think that a lot of awareness days and awareness months can kind of, the the goal can be vague or confusing and maybe there's you're raising money but people don't know exactly what the end goal is but one of the reasons why i love better speech and hearing month is because the goal is so clear it's just that we want to raise awareness that's it raising awareness can make such a big difference 
And that it's just knowing how, or even being able to take a step back and understanding how a speech impediment or a language disorder or a hearing impairment could affect someone's ability to communicate and that what that type of barrier could look like in their life. And then being able to, because I think I mentioned before, having awareness and creating that dialogue is the first step that if you're able to do that, so much can change. And so I just think that I, it's nice to have it in the month, but like hopefully it will continue all year round, just having awareness and realizing just how important our ability to speak and hear is. And I, I really do think that that's something all, everyone can relate to. Absolutely. And I love that you point that out because, you know, that's why we do what we do. You have your podcast, your blog, and your Instagram so that you can expand this awareness beyond just these months of dedicated awareness. So, and that's what Francesca and I do with Spectrum Sundays too. And we're really glad to have you with us because you really exemplify that and you work all year long, not just during the month of May or during Autism Awareness Month in April. So that's wonderful. Well, we just have one last question for you today, and we're so glad that you have been able to share so much insight with us, but we wanted to know if there's any last thought that, thoughts that you'd like to share with our viewers, either about autism or communication disorders in general. Um, I think that with regards to autism, I've touched on this, but just understanding that everyone with autism is unique and they bring something to the table and just like we all do we all have strengths and needs and people with autism all have strengths and needs and you're not always able to spot someone on the street who has autism so moving forward when you're out in the community having patience and just kind of slowing down if you see someone doing something you think is strange or you think it's inappropriate really taking a step back and just having that awareness, like I said before, awareness, I think is everything. So having that awareness that there are people with autism, there are people with sensory challenges, there are people with hearing impairments, going out and realizing that and reminding yourself of that, I think can just change the dynamic of how people interact. I think sometimes it can feel very negative and parents with children with autism can feel very overwhelmed by their the perceptions that people can have of them and their families. So I think just moving forward, if we could all just be more patient and understanding and compassionate to all people. Right. And just allowing everyone to have more time to process what's going on around us, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And where can our viewers follow you on social media or um, in, on your blog or your website? Yeah, so it so I have a Facebook page, a blog, an Instagram, and a podcast, all under the name SLP Corner. It's basically just a shared space for parents, SLPs, SLP students, really anyone working with children, whether they're typically developing children or children with special needs. I think it's just it can be a positive space where we can all learn and grow with each other. So yeah, it's SLP Corner at all of those uh, areas. Thank you so much, Shannon. And anyone watching, please reach out to Shannon if you are interested in, as a professional, being on her podcast or as a parent or an individual with special needs, if you want to share your perspective with her, because she did chat with us a little bit about kind of searching to share those unique perspectives. Thank you again, Shannon. We have had such a great time chatting with you today. Thank you so much.